You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, I don't really know what to say anymore about, about what's going on. We've got, you've got the South African Reserve Bank indulging themselves in quantitative easing, which I must say was absolutely necessary because of the vacuum yes. there was in the bond market. And I know you tweeted about that, so maybe we should start there. Yeah, look, there was total chaos and panic in the bond market over the last four or five trading days. I mean, the bond yields in the last week went up 4%. You know, it's 400 points. You know, normally a big day is 30 basis points. Yes. So the, it was just, there were sellers and no, not a buyer in sight. Now, of course, part of that is the restrictions that were put on banks trading in their own capital post the global financial crisis. So they're not nearly as big a player in making the market as what they used to be. But this is a global phenomenon. I mean, the Federal Reserve did exactly the same. And, and many other central banks as well. But it is the first time that our central bank, that I can remember, has done quantitative easing, but it is a necessity. And I unfortunately haven't seen the bond market today yet. Um, well, let I me tell you, let me, let, me, let me interrupt you there, because at one stage it was the R186, or the 10-year bond, let's call it. It did yeah. trade at a yield of 10.91.5, and bear in mind it was 13.35 just a couple of days ago. Yes, so it made a big difference, yeah. Exactly. So the range today has been 10.91.5 to 12.34.5. It's currently okay, 11, well, 11.64.5, so in the middle. So it's all over the yeah, place. So it made a, it's, a, it's better than 13.5. So, yes, it clearly has made a difference the intervention by the Reserve Bank. Mm. And I, I'm actually not surprised, but I thought it would be possible for them to also cut interest rates as well yesterday. I thought they'd do that. And it's coming. There is another, I don't know, half a percent, maybe even one percent cut coming in the not too distant future. Mm. I think it's coming. Because you, you, you're cutting rates into a vacuum. Eh? There's no demand. There is clearly no demand with the national shutdown so in, and the petrol price is going to plummet next week one rand 50 or maybe not quite so much because we've got the extra tax coming on next this this next petrol price but the petrol price is plummeting at least one rand a liter all the way around and inflation's currently four four and a half percent i wouldn't be surprised if that goes down to three percent or three and a half so you can cut interest rates and put money almost into a vacuum and that's exactly what's happening worldwide. There's an inflation vacuum. There's no inflation in the world. And I think we're going to see uh, more interest rate cuts coming in South Africa. Now, the how much that helps, I don't know. And I don't think anyone will know until we start to see some data in three months, six months time. Because a lot of people saying cutting interest rates doesn't help at all. And maybe they're right that it is not, it is clearly not a bad thing. Now, it can't be worsening the situation cutting interest rates. It can only be helping the current situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, talking about the inflation story, a lot of people are talking about because of the massive influx of cash and money being put into people's pockets for doing absolutely nothing, which is what's happened in the United States over the last yes, um, 12 massively. hours, yeah, 24 hours, let's call it. 
that is two trillion. Two trillion suddenly goes into the market. People are now talking about inflation plus hyperinflation. I can't see it myself. I can't see hyperinflation in our current environment. In fact, I can see no, maybe no, a stabilizing of our current levels. But yeah, there's actually way more deflationary pressures around now. Who's spending money at the moment worldwide? Who's going out and buying a new house and a new car and planning an overseas trip and splurging on credit? No one mm. is the answer. No one. So in the foreseeable future, whether that's one year or two years, let's just say it's one year or two years, there's no massive inflationary risk. Okay, so now let's talk about longer-term inflation. In 2008, personally, I was convinced that all this money thrown at the global financial crisis, quantitative easing, and it, it meant someone did a rough calculation once and how accurate it is, no one knows. But they did a rough calculation at the global financial crisis, about $10 trillion was thrown into the economy worldwide. Now, I would have sworn, and I did at the time, that this extra influx of cheap and free money would eventually find its way into inflation, and it didn't. I was wrong. So I, I cannot see this extra, either in South Africa or overseas, ending up in hyperinflation in the medium term. I just cannot see it. People were scared, not so much in South Africa, but people was well, they were scared in South Africa, but for completely different reasons. But people were so scared with the destruction, essentially, of the housing market in America post-2008. There's been no consumer splurge on credit at all. And now with this COVID thing, it's not going to make people more confident to spend money. It might even make them you know, in the medium term, less confident to spend money because, you know, confidence has been shaken. I cannot see this ending up in inflation. But in our investment horizon, so let's say an investment horizon is one to two years. Yeah. In our, in, in our investment horizon, deflation is significantly more of a threat than inflation. You can just put inflation away to the side for the next year or two. There's no threat of hyperinflation at all. I mean, we might we might end up with a problem later on, as we have found out now, that all of this extra and free money just pushed up the st asset prices, pushed up the stock market. Yes. So there might be inflation in the stock market in two years' time because this free money, when things settle, when you think about this scenario, when things settle, and we can debate forever when things settle, but... When, when things return to some form of normality, you're an investor. You look at the American bond market, you could earn 1%. You look at the cash market, you earn point nothing. Yeah. And the share market's fallen 40%. And even though the dividends might take a complete hiding for six months or a year, you know, once normality returns, dividends will return. And you're buying it at a 3%, 4% dividend yield. In our market, you're buying at a 6% dividend yield. Guess where the money's going? Go on. That's going into the stock market. Well, it has so we might, end up in, we might end up in five years' time with inflation, but asset inflation, not consumer inflation. 
Yes, which is, the, of course, the divergence between Main Street and Wall Street, which has been the argument for, for so long now. And I think that's why these people that have made so much money from Wall Street are feeling slightly guilty and giving a billion dollars here and a billion rand there and a uh, hundred million dollars yeah. here because they just they've got so much money and it's probably tax efficient for them. Yeah, Wall Street and Main yeah. Street have become so far apart. That in, in fact, the furthest apart they have in history, it is... Um, now, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, Lindsay, because simply because... Because if you look at pure valuations, and then yeah. let's look at valuations just in isolation. So let's just take the roughest thing that's ever been devised for a valuation, the price-earnings ratio, yes. and just compare the American price-earnings ratio before the crack compared to previous overvalued peaks. It was significantly lower than previous overvaluations. The market was expensive. It was overvalued but it wasn't overvalued nearly to the same extent as what it has been prior to previous corrections. Second point is, yes. I think the best way to value the stock market is to look at the valuation of the market versus prevailing interest rates. In America, the long bond before the crack even was nothing. It was 1.6%. So the valuation of the American stock market versus the long bond was actually very reasonably valued. And our stock market, no one can make an argument that our market was overvalued. Our market in total was actually quite reasonably valued, if not a little bit cheap. So I'm not sure that the statement that there was massive asset overvaluation prior to this crisis is correct. I don't think it's correct. I think the American market was expensive, but not nearly as high as previous peaks. And our market, quite frankly, was just fair value or even cheap. So... The mere fact that the market's fallen 40% is because there's going to be a crush in earnings. Earnings are going to disappear. And you've seen now on our stock market, virtually every second send statement is either cancelling the dividend or withdrawing the dividend that's either, either been declared or withdrawing the previous guidance that the companies have given for earnings or just telling you, listen, it's so catastrophic out there. We can't even give you guidance as to what we think earnings are going to do. So earnings are going to disappear like the morning mist for the next six months. Yes, and that's, and, the and that's why, the, and that's that's why the, that's one of the reasons why the markets collapse. Okay, but this is the sixty-four thousand dollar question here now, Wayne McCarrion, and put your thinking hat on here and use all your experience. Has the market, or did the market two days ago, have this fully? discounted or is there more to come when the results come out when the trading statements come out when the guidances come out and when more dividends are cut do you think it goes further or everyone says well, we knew that we understood that that's why we've sold off 35 40 percent whatever it is yeah. tell me well, tell me your Lindsay, thoughts okay okay i can't give an answer to that because i just don't know but i can give maybe some some guidance the market will turn up when the virus comes under control or there's a cure when there's light at the end of the tunnel on the virus, the market will turn up. It won't wait for the earnings reports. It won't even wait for that because it knows if there's resolution on the virus and the outbreak and the pandemic, in six months' time, things will be back to some format of normality. Now, I don't think it will go through a previous peak that it did. I think it will take a, a while to do that, but it can recoup 60% or 80% of these losses in a relatively short time period, and then not wait for earnings to come through to confirm how bad it was. Even if earnings disappear for six months, that's six months of, of infinity in the stock market valuation. And it carries weight because it's the first six months of that 
net present value calculation into infinity of profits. So it will have an effect, a lasting effect on the level. So in other words, we might not go through previous highs for two years, five years, four years, whatever the case is, but a significant proportion of these losses will be reversed very quickly once we've got resolution on the virus. You won't wait for earnings to come through. People will know, the market will know that this first six months earnings have disappeared worldwide. They've, they've just disappeared. And in fact, you may even be in, in many, many cases losses. So you might go from plus 15% earnings to minus 15% earnings, but that's only for a relatively short time period if stroke when we get resolution on this virus. I'm just now, gonna... to, come back to, this, sorry, to come back to the second part of your question, right. was it the bottom yesterday or, the, or two days ago or three days ago? I've got two things to say about that. Three things. First of all, I don't know, as I've said, but secondly, what I know is three days ago, wherever the bottom was, we were 40% closer to it. Okay. So you know, we, and then we fell 40% you don't in know, other words, yes. Yeah, so in other words, you're 40, wherever the bottom is, you're 40% closer to it. And then the third thing is, and I suppose it's a combination of the previous two, I, don't, I can't judge where the bottom is and I don't know what tomorrow holds. All that I do know is the stock market two or three days ago was at an incredibly reasonable, good, cheap valuation level. It could have got cheaper. The market can fall another 20%. I've got no clue. Then it just becomes 20% cheaper. And when markets have got to these cheap, reasonable valuation levels in the past, in five years' time, three years' time, you are happy to have bought shares at that stage when the markets are reasonably valued, even if you might be buying too soon or too late. I don't know. The market might have turned last night. I've got no clue. But I do know that our share market and global share markets at these valuation levels are very reasonable, reasonably priced based on one fundamental. If you buy now, you must truly believe that some form of normality is going to return to the world's economy in six months or one year's time. If you don't believe that, don't buy the market because then it ain't cheap. The one thing I would say, if you are going to buy the market, and this is not just, this doesn't constitute a recommendation, just look at big companies, look at balance sheets, look at management, look yes. at track records. You can't, you can't, you, you can't go out and buy. I mean, I'm not being nasty about break, but I saw it a couple of days ago. That's something like three rand fifty, three rand sixty when it was one hundred and seventy. That's not quality. Yeah, that is just that, no, look, that, that's that's not quality. It's casino. Great, I, I, I'm, I'm not singling them out. Itself. Yeah, but rate has destroyed itself on New Look. Mm. It destroyed itself. It sold Pepco and it bought New Look. The other companies aren't bad. Okay, I know the gym companies are taking massive strain in this environment, but they're not alone in that. The airline companies, blah, 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 are also taking massive strain. But rate killed itself on New Look because the other businesses, the gym business is okay. The food business in South Africa, I always get mixed up whether that's Premier or Pioneer, but I think it's Premier. The food business in South Africa is actually quite a good business, which actually surprisingly enough should do reasonably well in this environment. Uh, the Iceland foods, it's a little bit boring, but it's not a bad business, but they kill themselves on new look. And we've seen this on many, many prior occasions. And when you think about it, people overpaying. When African bank bought Alarines, they killed themselves. They mm. overpaid at the top. When the private equity guys, Bain, bought Edgars, they killed themselves. They bought at the top. Luckily enough, 
a few other examples. It hasn't killed the company, but it's massively negatively affected it. Famous brands, Woolworths, just to name a few. And the, the mistake, the mistake that these companies make, and I know this so well in investments, being successful is almost as dangerous as being unsuccessful. Because when you're successful in two or three things, you think you're the king. You think you know what you're doing. You think you're untouchable. You're bulletproof. And you say, guys, look, we bought this. We did that. We bought that. The last four things we've done have been so successful. We're so good. We so we are walk. We we are we are fantastic. Let's go for a big one. Let's just do this big one. It's going to be so successful, and we're going to make a bucket load of money. And then they take the next one, and that next one kills them. And in investments, it's exactly the same. In investment, it's almost as dangerous to be successful than to be unsuccessful. Because when you're successful, you become very cocky. You become very self-sure of yourself. And you say, guys, <laughs> you've got it so right for the last two or three years. Let's just do it again. It's, it's going to be right because we've been right. And then it comes and it bites you severely. Yes, severely. You're, you're quite right. I mean, it's, it's all to do with psychology. And it shows you how fragile yes. the, the boardroom is, as every single person is as well. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a human being at the low end of the ladder or whether you're in this gilded cage or this ivory tower yes. in the boardroom. You're still stupid. I'm sorry, human beings yes. are really, really stupid. I wasn't trying to single out uh, Breit, by the way. I was just saying to you, Wayne, that Breit is a great example of something that you should really steer clear of or that type of company yeah. because you, must... you should just go for the, for the first rands, uh, for the Anglo Americans, that yeah. sort of thing. I mean, first just, rand, what's it? What's what's first rand today? Forty odd bucks, forty two bucks. I can't like bear to look. Actually, it's somewhere. It's somewhere around there. Hey, mm. but forty two is better than thirty three. It's not as good as sixty, but it's a damn sight better than thirty three, where it was two days ago. Yes, well, this is your company, so you should, you should know what the price yes. is, Wayne. You should be more assiduous. I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, one thing I never do is get too absorbed in individual share prices in a crisis because mm. it can confuse your thinking. I look at, I'd rather look at the overall market and overall valuations and macros and especially the company I work for. I don't want to look at the share price every 10 minutes because it's, I found that in, in my experience, chaps who asset managers who are fixated by individual share prices and not looking at the bigger picture and stuff like that, tend to become too focused and actually, quite frankly, start thinking too much about individual companies rather than the overall market. And of course, I'm not an individual share analyst. I am more of a macro economist type of creature, whatever you want. How are you going to so, cope yeah. with how are you going to cope with the isolation, Wayne? What are you doing at the moment? Your life has obviously changed a bit, but it's going to change a lot more. No, but look, I'm, 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 I'm actually relatively okay, to be honest. I am inherently an introvert, so I don't need masses of groups of people to go and have fun with and drink with and party with and go out on social occasions. So I am inherently quite a severe introvert. So yeah. I will do office work and work in the garage. And So my biggest fear is that I'm working in the garage and I run out of fiberglass and I can't buy any. I don't think many people so, in South Africa are worried cetera, about. I don't think many people, apart from you, are worried about um, running out of fiberglass. I must say. Yeah. So, but I mean, so in other words, I think I can cope relatively well because it's my. I suppose you can say it's my personality. I'm also an only child, so I'm. I, you know, I'm, I'm quite used to my own company and et cetera, et cetera. And yet, you go on TV and radio and uh, podcasts all the time. 
Yeah, and, and but as I've said, my 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 son, you also has just started doing some presentations and radio and TV yes. and all of that. I said to him, it's only difficult the first six hundred times. After that, it's easy. So in other words, in other words, me being an introvert doesn't affect my ability to talk in front of crowds. And that I was terrified when I initially started, terrified, out of my wits, terrified. But I, I'm fairly used to it by now. I'm exactly the same. Uh, the, the reason people say, well, you, you're an extrovert. I say, no, I'm talking to a microphone. I'm talking to a camera. I, if you put me in a dinner party situation, I fall in a heap. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm used to this. I, I've, in fact, I mean, this is going totally off subject here, but I've, been, <laughs> I've developed a whole little mechanism of coping with uh, cocktail. Let's call it cocktail parties. Dinner Please party. tell me your mechanism. I'll, 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 I'll walk around and keep moving and look interested in all the various groups that are talking about things. And I don't just stand in the corner looking as though I'm not talking to anyone. I walk around, but I don't talk to anyone. And, and you learn sort of coping mechanisms too. Because I, was, I, I find the cocktail party stroke dinner party situation, you know, unless you're with two good friends or family, it's terrifying. I actually find it terrifying. It's, yeah, it's completely actually terrifying to me. Yeah, so anyway, let's talk about investment. All right, yeah, we've, 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 yeah, done, yeah, we've okay. done it, we've done it. We, you've given us your, your base case, and when I've asked you a question, you've said three points, and each each time, <laughs> the first point has been, I don't know. What do you do now? Well, no one knows the future. No, yeah, one no knows we don't, but what, do you, what are you doing but now? You know, Tell you me know what you're the doing now. You buy. You buy. Yes. And what do you We're buy? bringing money back from overseas. We're bringing money back from overseas taking money off because the rand's overvalued. It, it might go weaker, uh, they're undervalued. It might go weaker, but at these levels, the rand is quite a bit weaker than what we think is fair value. And we know that if we write that the world will return to normality, the rand will eventually return to its fair value, value its fair valuation. Call it 15 rand, 15.50, but at 17 plus, bringing some money back, not everything. Obviously, we're bringing back a measured amount and we're going to phase it in. We're bringing back some money, and we're buying South African orientated shares because they happen to be the cheapest. But not only them, we're also buying some platinum shares at this level because they've been slaughtered. And when the world, when when again, when the world returns to normality, there's still going to be a platinum shortage, and Anglo platinum is still going to take 80 days to fix up their thing that blew up. So there's a fundamental shortage of palladium and, and et cetera, et cetera, and those prices should recover, and we should be okay in this. So, so that's what we're buying. But we're buying quite a few shares, not just one or two. We're actually buying quite a few. Wayne, thanks so much for your analysis this evening. Very good Pleasure. luck with the supply of fiberglass. Well done on the fact that there's no Thank dinner you. parties and no cocktail parties no coming cocktail up for parties. you to endure and nor for me. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.